welcome to the monthly Skill Bite Show, where we share information that is geared to helping you succeed in your business. This is Judy Weintraub, CEO of Skill Bites and host of this show. If you want to position yourself as an expert, one of the best ways to do that is to become a published author. Skill Bites author platform provides the easiest way to get a book written and published. Today, our guest is Shadid Elazer. Shadid is a U.S. Navy veteran and Baltimore's leading small business advisor. Experts and entrepreneurs hire his team to help them convert their intellectual property into a license-ready curriculum that is sold to corporations, universities, and government agencies. This increases recurring revenue for the business and solves the problem of the time for money exchange for clients. Have you dreamt of publishing your book and now you're wondering how you'll monetize your published work? In this exclusive interview, licensing expert Shadid Laser will outline a proven game plan for self-published authors to define and monetize their intellectual property so that they can have leverage in creating licensing partnerships with universities and corporations. Shadid, welcome to the Skillbite Show. Thank you, Judy. It's an honor to share this time and space with you and your audience. Looking forward to it. Excellent. Well, before we get into the meat of your content, why don't you start and tell us how you went from the US Navy to being a content licensing expert? Well, the, the journey actually started by accident and by necessity in the United States Navy. So my first experience with licensing was on the USS Kitty Hawk. I was uh, forward deployed, which means that I was part of the response team for overseas military operations. In this case, it was 9-11 uh, was my first exposure to uh, licensing by accident and by necessity. So within a Navy ship, if you just look at your desk, for those of you who are uh, listening to this broadcast, whether you're in your kitchen, whether you're in your car, just look at all the, the objects all around. And within a Navy ship, you have to get qualified in order to use each piece of equipment. Now, in our case, 9-11 happened and in our ship, the tracking system or the software uh, that we use to track equipment was literally a sheet of paper with a two-hole punch that was uh, on the, uh, the wall. And so what we had to do was get 100% um, up to date. And so what I did out of necessity was um, create training um, in order for our departments to get up to speed, creating that training led to a demand with the other departments of which I was promoted to manage the training and certification of our sailors that earned me a Navy achievement medal. The licensing lesson within this was that I packaged a method in order to use the software that was used to certify our sailors and created a train the trainer model which was I gave permission to other departments to use it and distribute it. And that is where uh, licensing um, 
took place, my first um, example. So um, that is the, the framework of which we will um, discuss in this interview. Wow, that's terrific that you were able to take that experience and convert it into a career. Excellent. Well, it was definitely a scenario where um, throughout my uh, throughout my career in different instances, licensing is so flexible in that you can package the knowledge that you have to solve problems and use it to fill gaps throughout uh, different scenarios that you find yourself in, whether you're a publisher. In my case, I have been a consultant for many years and using the ability to, let's say, provide training in uh, accordance or in addition to software. So if someone deploys, let's say, Microsoft Office to a, a government agency, and I um, approach the company that's doing the uh, software installation, I say, well, uh, you're going to have um, a thousand employees who are going to use this new system have you considered training for these employees? It's going to be new to them and it's going to be confusing. So what the um, my claim to fame was being able to provide those training uh, packages and licensing it alongside of those government contracts in order to uh, drive revenue and increase the value of that contract overall. So I can certainly see how Things like software programs like Microsoft Office or Excel or whatever have that capability. Are there any restrictions or does anybody's content fit into that window where they could package it to be licensed to corporations, universities, government agencies? Well, that was the big light bulb moment or aha moment that uh, took place in my journey where I realized that um, not only do, let's say, large corporations benefit from licensing their intellectual property. In fact, licensing is oftentimes the way that celebrity brands as well as um, large corporations stay in business and expand their product offering is through licensing their intellectual property. The gap that I noticed was that small business, uh, let's say America, North America also has the same challenges where in, let's say, building your business, oftentimes the smaller business is, um, let's say, pushed out of the way from an intellectual property standpoint and parent companies oftentimes uh, consume ideas. And so what I realized was that when it comes to content, and many of us spend a lot of our time creating content and publishing our ideas on public platforms, if you're able to take ownership of that and uh, start to drive your business through intellectual property, as opposed to, uh, let's say, creating a service and trying to sell your service, it gives you more leverage, it gives you consistent cash flow, and you can create a package once and sell it to multiple uh, vendors or buyers, which can include universities, agencies, and corporations. And so 
back to the uh, original question, are there any limits? Uh, the, the only limit is your imagination in that you can uh, create templates of your intellectual property. You can create courses, you can create books, you can create checklists, and all of these different examples can be leveraged in a, a licensing context for a corporation, agency, uh, university, or a peer-to-peer -peer setup where you're doing um, a business-to-business -business transaction such as a joint venture. Wow, so it's it's pretty wide in scope is what you're suggesting that um, there's there may well be a market for whatever the topic is in your book. Yes, yeah, so the first detail or let's say reframe that needs to take place is that a book is not just, let's say, um, the, the ending of the journey where many uh, authors, it takes them up to 10 years to publish their first book. And many people have a book locked inside of them and procrastination is oftentimes, uh, let's say, the, the, uh, the, the setting of which uh, leads to the publishing of the book. And so once the book is published, it's a sigh of relief. Finally, the book is written. And so the reframe that I teach to my clients is that the book is the stage or the book is the beginning of the journey. And so when we start to look at our book as intellectual property, one of the easiest ways to get your, uh, your book or your intellectual property into a licensing agreement is to take on the mindset of teaching your book. And so when you think about your book as a textbook and you apply that to the university context, every single textbook that you've ever read or paid hundreds of dollars for in a college setting is an example of a licensing deal. And so there are companies that are established that only provide university textbooks or textbooks for colleges around the world because it is so lucrative. So the question becomes, why not you? Why not you, the author, the self-publisher? Why can't you take part in that trillion dollar economy? And when you think about the limits to, let's say, the contents of a book, if you're, let's say, delivering self-help, for example, the methodology that you have within the book can be licensed. If you're writing, let's say, a work of uh, fiction, the characters themselves can be licensed. Just think about uh, Mickey Mouse, which is one of the most licensed characters on planet Earth. And so you can develop your characters and begin to set up licensing deals uh, around the world for those. And so uh, the, the only limit is your imagination and your ability to take ownership of what you have published in, in the form of intellectual property. I can see certain uh, books fitting that niche, but textbooks normally are pretty lengthy. So if somebody's just written a short, say 50, 60, 70 pager, is that still open to be um, licensed as a university textbook? Well, universities may license the workshop that is accompanying the 70-page manual. 
universities have different programs such as school of business school of arts so on and so forth and you have to think about let's say i always use the example if we're thinking in a lottery context if someone was to give you the listener the winning lottery numbers and the the earnings from that lottery would change your life financially would it matter to you if it was written on a nice uh, dense piece of paper and calligraphy or does it matter if the numbers are correct when you go to uh, trade them in you win the lottery and so what we have to focus on is does the message within the book solve a problem for the department that is being uh, licensed to and so and oftentimes there are content buyers within universities or within corporations or within agencies or within nonprofits or within special interest groups that are looking for content because the big secret is that these universities, corporations don't create their own content. Your fifth grade uh, science teacher did not write the textbook. They outsourced this to uh, the small business world and community. And so what you have to realize is that you can play a part within that. So the book may be, again, just the start of that relationship. You may be bringing in a course based on the book. And because you own the intellectual property, you can create different variations of that particular book that have a format, a learning style or format that can be delivered and once you have the the ownership of it you can negotiate the terms of how it's being delivered to that particular agency university or corporation huh. so i think that pretty much answers one of the questions that you had uh, suggested to me why do you believe authors overlook the value of their content probably because they don't fully appreciate how they can use that content to get um, into universities and corporations and government agencies? Well, it, it's the, the curse of knowledge where sometimes when we've been possessing a certain skill set for so many years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, we fail to we look uh, at a mirror instead of out of a window. And so when we look at the mirror, we're reflecting back what we think about our ability to solve problems. We think about our knowledge, not our knowledge being transformed into a method that solves a problem for someone else. So if I'm a therapist, for example, and I've been a therapist for 20 years, I may just think, well, I'm a therapist and this is all I'm going to be. But when we take that example and we turn it around and say, well, if this therapist is able to listen to a troubled couple for one hour and give them one tip that is able to save a marriage of 15 years, then the information that is being shared within that session is priceless. And far too many experts don't look at their intellectual property as priceless. They put, they assign their own self-esteem to the pricing, to the value and delivery of it. And that's the biggest mistake that we make is that we don't understand our market well enough 
as publishers and authors to say, well, um, this is what uh, the value is to the marketplace. And once we understand the market to the, the, the value to the marketplace, then the game begins to change because now we're operating from a place of demand and a value. And that's what uh, we need to start to look deeper into. So let's take an example where you had a client who has a book and you were able to repackage that and, uh, and get it out there more broadly. Can you maybe take us through one of your examples? Okay, so the first thing we have to understand is that there's a difference between, uh, let's say, um, different forms of delivery. So we're going to take, let's say, a book and transform it into a curriculum. So in order for it to get into a curriculum, there's three key phases that I'm going to briefly explain. There's your course, there's your program, then there's your curriculum. And when we start to talk about licensing, I'm going to share where this all comes together. And so a course is the packaging of knowledge in order to solve problems for a targeted group of people. So you can have a book and you can create a course based on this particular book. And so what the limitation of a course is, is that less than 10% uh, of people who sign up for courses actually complete them. So the let's say the uh, follow through rate on courses is abysmal. And so that's where we go into your uh, curriculum to your program. And so with a program, there's three key attributes for a program, and that is mentorship, accountability, and community. And so when you start to have mentorship and you start to, let's say, have check-ins and accountability for your particular, um, your program, and then you start to build the community, the limitation to that is that if you're a single author and you have a community and you have check-ins and you're delivering mentorship is going to overwhelm even the smartest and most astute um, uh, author. And so that's where the curriculum comes into play, where the curriculum is based on strong customer experience. And so with customer experience, this means that when you, you go through this curriculum in uh, January of 2023 versus April of 2023, the experience is similar. What this allows you to do is to uh, bring on certified instructors, have a certification program, train a trainer. And the question would be, where does licensing fit into this uh, overall picture? It starts to come about in the program phase because licensing is not something you get. Licensing is the byproduct of uh, customer experience, meaning when you have people in your Facebook group or your Discord group or your Telegram group or on your email list and they've all gone through your program, what this allows them to do is refer your program to people who make decisions at agencies, universities, and corporations. Here's the secret. The people who take your program also have to go to work somewhere, whether they're self-employed, whether they run a business and serve clients, or they're a full-time employee. 
at the Monday meeting, uh, faculty meeting within that particular company that they work for, there's going to be a need that is, is expressed. And what I found is that when you have an engine of testimonials, referrals, and uh, customer experience, you have the ability to um, drive those conversations. And what we help our clients to do is to take an idea or to take developed intellectual property, such as a book, and build that engine, starting with course, developing it into program, leading into curriculum, step-by-step -step in a done uh, with you fashion so that our clients learn along the way and we plant seeds of business knowledge and just a business engine into their mindset, which changes how they operate forever. Great. So how long does that take? Depends on the uh, project. It can range. We start with uh, eight week sprints and can uh, lead up to six months, depending on the uh, project. For example, if someone is a publishing house, meaning they self-publish numerous books, they have a, a franchise, for example, and they have larger goals with licensing, that can take up to six months to deliver. In many cases where an entrepreneur or an expert, let's say they have 15 to 20 years of experience and they're looking to build an engine that allows them to separate the time for money exchange, those projects can take uh, up to eight weeks to deliver. And in those eight weeks, they've converted their book into a course, they've developed a program, and then they have developed the curriculum based on customer experience? Well, each project is different. So a single book can be developed into, let's say, a curriculum within eight weeks. It's all based on the project goals. So in some cases where our uh, signature packages can uh, range up to um, $25,000, many authors may, uh, let's say, want to get started and just get the process going. So our eight-week projects are able to help them get up and running and establish a, let's say, a system of automation which will allow them to grow into uh, additional projects. In some cases, you have authors who, uh, let's say, have the experience. They're seasoned speakers. They're seasoned consultants. They uh, have certain things in motion, but they want to separate, let's say, if they get sick, for example, their entire business slows down, and they want to start to create that digital presence. And that's what our services allows them to do. That's what uh, building that engine allows for them to do. So when you have that capability to work with them to develop a course, is it mostly, it's a digital course where they're basically uh, having like a PowerPoint and, and talking through the slides? Well, when we talk about how a uh, course is delivered, we start with uh, market research and we look at the, the different styles of learning. So if someone is more hands-on, that would mean uh, worksheets, for example. Video is the, the dominant form of content which, is going, which drives the internet. So we do have, let's say, video modules that are included. The main detail is to make sure 
that we established a few key pillars, which is uh, the automation, uh, email follow-up. We make sure that we establish uh, the community around what they're building and make sure that it's accessible online, easy to log into, and the follow-up systems are in place. But the, the, the two key things that we want to make sure is that we're building something that is license ready. And that's what separates our work from, let's say, an intellectual property attorney, where you can take any book and shop with uh, or have an intellectual property attorney shop your book. But the, the details in terms of, well, uh, if Harvard University comes and says, well, module two needs to be updated with our branding, we need this disclaimer to be added, and we need the, um, the, the terms and conditions to have our uh, legal department's um, copy. If you're paying an intellectual property attorney, the retainer rate, oftentimes that's going to be way too high for typical content, uh, let's say, development. And so that's where uh, we set ourselves apart in that intellectual property attorneys come to us and say, we have, uh, let's say, license help make this client license ready. And so what we create is a license ready form of content, which will allow for them to partner with agencies, universities, and corporations. The delivery method is going to be different based on the client's needs, the statement of work, but the end result is that they're able to uh, build that engine, which will allow them to have a community, which will allow them to have a curriculum, which will allow them to build based on market research and have the ability to partner with a larger entity or a fellow uh, business owner in a joint venture uh, capacity. So one of the most important things that authors should be thinking about if they want to go into this uh, content licensing field? Uh, the most important uh, details to keep in mind are what are the next steps? Who are you writing the book for? So when we, we you sit down with, with any um, uh, serious book coach, they're going to ask you to define your target market. And so or define your uh, target reader. And so when we look at target audiences and target readers, and we apply this to licensing, here's what we need to understand. And this is the, the big difference is that the writing a book and selling it to one person at a time. So if you, let's say, go to a book fair, or you, you speak on a panel, you're selling your book one at a time. So if you have your book on Amazon, for example, one person is going to your landing page and buying the book. When you're in a licensing deal, you're saying, okay, my audience, for example, are business owners. Who are the organizations that serve business owners at scale? And you're partnering with that organization to deliver your book to their audience or their constituents. So the, the example is instead of, let's say, uh, offering the book to just one person, now you have the ability to set minimum purchase orders, which instead of saying, well, I'm going to sell one book at a time, you can say, 
in the terms and conditions in order for this deal to execute, I need a minimum purchase order of 25 books in order for this deal to be executed with, let's say, a college, for example. And so when we start to look at, uh, let's say, uh, subscription income or what is called royalties, uh, which are the payments for uh, a licensing deal, that's where it becomes more lucrative because in a non-exclusive uh, context uh, or a non-exclusive licensing deal, you can have the same book given to uh, University, uh, let's say Pennsylvania, University of Maryland, University of Texas, or to 20 corporations out of the Fortune 500, and the terms are the same for each deal. And so that becomes a powerful way to scale, a highly leveraged way to scale, because you're creating or writing one book, and you're selling it um, again and again. Right. Yeah, that that certainly opens up a huge opportunity, at least for some authors. I, I, I'm still somewhat skeptical that it would work for any um, topic of a book, but just thinking about the various authors that I've worked with, I can definitely see how some of them would really benefit from type of uh, content licensing opportunity. Absolutely. And so when we talk about, let's say, the thing, the detail to focus on is the target audience itself. And so that's what we want to keep in mind. Um, no matter what the author is, if there's a reader, there's an organization, there's a reading club, there's an after school club. And um, that's what you want to keep in mind. So think about the target audience. And so uh, one example that I, I love to share is I have a client um, who is a 78-year-old woman who writes books for um, children's age. Uh, so she teaches children how to be writers. So she has a wealth of writing experience and children, writing is one of the most powerful habits you can develop. And so she teaches this. And so one of the big challenges for her, again, she was looking at a mirror instead of looking out the window. Who's going to hire someone in their 70s to um, work with uh, children? I don't have any degrees or certifications, so on and so forth. And so when we were able to define the market and look at, let's say, instead of trying to apply to, uh, let's say, corporations or to schools and go in the direction of after-school programs and nonprofit organizations, she was able to establish a sizable uh, amount of licensing agreements because she found her tribe. And there were many nonprofits and after-school programs that were more than willing to host her workshops, as well as to take on her books and use them as textbooks to help uh, students with their um, writing challenges and just to develop that habit. Interesting. Yeah, that, that sounds great. 
I can think of actually an organization that has a, it's a nonprofit that teaches uh, kids writing uh, in the Philadelphia area. I'll try to come up with their name and send that to you so that you can provide that to your client. They've done, they do some really terrific work. Hey, well, that's, and that's the beauty of what licensing is about is our networks are our greatest asset. Um, and so when we think about who would be an ideal fit in the organizations that we come into, to, into contact with, then that's where giving permission for our, create, for our creations in uh, doing deals or doing arrangements, it, it gives a whole new context to being valued for your work. Very good, excellent. Um, well, Shadid, I know that you have something that you've prepared to offer to the listeners of this podcast. You want to explain your uh, digital assets execution plan? Well, the most powerful activity that you can do is to package your knowledge and host it online in today's world. The internet is global. Search engines are, people are using search engines to find information and solutions to their problem uh, on a daily basis. And so the digital assets execution plan will allow you to package your knowledge and host it online using a step-by-step -step, uh, method that I've been using since about 2007. And so digital products and assets that I created in from 2011 to 2015 are paying today's bills. And so you can leverage digital assets to create strategic partnerships, which will allow you to leverage your network in an intelligent way so that you have a, a web of supporters to help you land more agreements, spread your message, whether it's something you believe in or something you want to profit fr from or a combination of both. And it's an internet interactive checklist, which has my full support, meaning there's a section that has messenger or the ability to use Twitter direct message to reach out to me directly to critique your digital asset as it's being built in real time. We fully support this uh, giveaway, which is the digital assets execution plan. Super, excellent. Thank you so much. That sounds great. How would people access that? Well, you can go, it will be in the uh, description notes for this episode, but you can go to mrshadi.com forward slash assets with an S. That's mrshadi.com forward slash assets. And also look at the description notes for this episode. Excellent. Any other thoughts that you have to help people sort of embrace this concept of content licensing for their, for their books and, and other intellectual property? Don't think in terms of, I must get licensed. Think in terms of, I have the start of a journey. Your book is the start of your journey. And so think about diving deeper into your audience, 
and what they bring to the table in terms of your their alignment with your book. Build an audience. That's one of the most important things you can do because your audience, when you nurture them, when you pour value into them through your book, through your training and the experience that you create around your book, then the partners that will help you spread your message, the organizations that are serving your target reader at scale will begin to emerge because warm relationships will develop through the connection that you have with your audience. Build your tribe today. Okay, excellent. Thank you so much for being with us, Shadeep. Really appreciate your expertise. And I think that's going to be really valuable for authors everywhere. Absolutely. It's my pleasure to share this time and space. Press uh, play once this episode is published and continue to learn from the conversation that Judy and I just had.